0: Welcome to this premiere episode of Music Magic with Chick Corea. You're listening to the song Galaxy 32 Star 4 from Chick's latest release on Stretch Concord Records titled The Vigil. And you're about to listen in on a conversation between Chick and longtime musical associate Tim Garland, who's a member of the band of the same name, The Vigil. In this podcast, Chick and Tim discuss the story behind the making of this new music, Later on, we'll tell you musicians about a very special online, live, and interactive Chick Korea Music Workshop coming March 2014. You can learn all about that now by visiting our website at chickcoreaworkshops.com. Now enjoy a conversation between Chick Korea and Tim Garland. Take it away, Chick.
1: Hi, this is Chick here, and this is another edition of the Vigil Broadcast, the Vigil Radio Show. In this show, I'd like to present to you my dear old friend Tim Golland. We've been working together for quite a while. He was in my band Origin and he brings an incredible enthusiasm and deep knowledge of music and his own creativity always and spirit into the band. I really appreciate Tim's presence all the time. So here's a chat that we had recently in Tokyo we're going to be talking about a few different things, but mainly the making of the vigil record. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right, so uh, Tim, yeah, here we are in Tokyo. I got my notes here. I call this W C H I K. No, this is vigil radio. This is going to. Um, this is going to be like uh, uh, probably part of some promotion to let people know that there's going to be a webinar. Have you ever heard that term? I have. Webinar, it's a new yeah. ter- term for me. It's like going to be a live thing that I'm going to do to people who subscribe and hang in on a live chat. And we're going to talk about the new record Great. and discuss uh, the new recording uh, and the package which is going to be uh, the the LP, the CD and the songbook. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to I'm going to have a chat with uh, everybody in the band. Excellent. You're first up. <laughs> You're the first one I was able to nab. <laughs> uh, we're in Tokyo, everybody. Uh, this is Tim Garland. Hey there. And, and uh, I'm Chick. This voice over here is Chick. I'm on the left side. We're, we're trying our, our new recorder, the H6. Uh, it's a pretty cool little deal there. Dan Dan Muse is sitting in with us, too, listening to our conversation to help keep us on track, maybe. But uh, I'm not sure what the track is aside from the making of the record. That's what I wanted to uh, uh, be able to share with everybody out there, like uh, uh, what the process was and be like kind of a general general thing. And then maybe we can find interest uh, from individuals hmm. who are listening in and go into more depth. But uh, first thing I on my note was just, uh, you know, uh, from, from your viewpoint, just a general comment about the making of the record because we did it we did it kind of it it was interesting because because the recording had to be done by a certain time in order to get it out for the tour yeah which is not something i usually am pushed to do so we weren't able to to perform it all Mm, mm. we went right onto the studio
2: yeah well it helped a great deal being in this unusual studio in Florida very unique space where we didn't feel rushed for time even though there was a very strong agenda to get stuff done Uh, so many times you're in the studio and maybe you have a three hour or four hour session you've got to do loads in just that time and then it can almost feel like a conveyor belt Mm. Um, ironically just occasionally that also produces great creativity doesn't it because it's like a live gig you just have to go in and do it but with this, this is a new band, we were all getting to know each other, um, and I guess it's a, a kind of, um, it was a documentation of a process. So we all knew that by the time the, the the CD was done, this was the beginning of a journey rather than, you know, kind of something which was being wrapped up. Quite oh. the opposite, you know, it was the unpacking of some beautiful new thing. Uh and uh, I was so grateful actually to get the chance to do things a few times to get to know people's playing etc and obviously the the music you know it's not that
1: simple <laughs> yeah you have to get well, tonight and get off the page well I, I I did what I could to send the mu- to, to send the notes out anyway oh, to, for sure. to, to you guys uh, some uh, a month or so, some weeks beforehand Yeah, yeah, and we all came prepared in that sense yeah. and uh, there were a few demos I made and I sent a few audio oh yeah, on. no yeah. I think actually
2: that whole side of things was it couldn't have been more thorough. And uh, I think that was pretty evident. Actually, by the the first time we turned up, it was very evident. We'd all been listening and reading, etc. But then it's the 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 soul of the band is all of those things which happen in the moment, the spontaneity of it, isn't it? So it's it you still got to kind of find that shared language, yeah, um, which yeah. always takes a minute, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, we were at it for five days, which is uh, not that long. Uh, I think it was five days. We, uh, the original idea was to rehearse for a couple of days, then record. Yeah. But as soon as we got into the first piece... Do you remember what we, we attacked first? Was it, it, it Galax or Portals? It was one of the longer pieces. Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I, I remember that because I was kind of surprised... Myself, uh, just just flying over and still having a little bit of the jet lag over the Atlantic. All right. And thinking, oh, we're actually recording already, but that's yeah. that's good too. As I was saying, because I, I, and I know you're you're really keen on keeping the spontaneity of it and not trying to be kind of over perfect with all of the the the. Uh, if one uh, concentrates too much on trying to uh, just get everyone's Parts, you know, absolutely perfect to the right. Uh, you know, the duration of every note, etc. It starts to sound almost b- sterile,
1: you know. So it's oh, it's, yeah. it's fantastic you, you, to you lose the groove there. Yeah, way. absolutely. Yeah, I like first takes, but I mean, we, once uh, my my memory is is once we began playing playing the pieces down, once we could. Once we worked out the notes and the and the and the solo order and whatever how, mm. how the form of the piece was going to go, once we made it through the piece, I think after that it was a, it was all first or second takes. We didn't we didn't belabor like four five six takes. I, no. don't, I don't remember. No,
2: I just think I, I remember we we rehearsed sections a few times. Yeah, I mean with music like this and and several compositions on this album. Uh, ...have that kind of through-composed quality, don't they? Where there, there's some kind of a vamp section... ...and then maybe a completely different section... ...and it kind of is uh, almost like a fantasy which unfolds.
1: Ga- galaxy and portals are, are, For are, sure. are like that. Those are the 2 sweet suite-like pieces, yeah. I think. Yeah.
2: And I, what fascinates me is... the uh, ...we all want to try and keep that sense of risk... ...even though there's, there's all of this compositional information it's not just a reading of a composition that, that the composition still remains a springboard mm-hmm. for all of those points where you're kind of on the edge and uh yeah, yeah. we all kind of get addicted to that risk don't we so it's the it's the playoff between um taking risks and and being on the edge but then taking care of business and respecting the composition at the same yeah. time
1: Let, let's let's take a look at the, um at, at galaxy for instance because because yeah. that that that's that, like all the other songs, has is developed into a whole thing now in performance. Mm. I mean, uh, we're, we're like last uh, last night when we played the Tokyo Jazz Festival, we we played three tunes that lasted an hour and a quarter. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, don't you remember we just played three tunes? <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We I, played, I didn't know an hour and a quarter. <laughs> we played Bud Powell's "Tempest Fugit" for yeah. for for a loosener, opener, upper, and then we played Portals which must have lasted at least a half hour or, wow. more, or more. And then we played Galaxy. Yeah. And that was it. And, and uh, we, we, were the, we were the third band that day. Yeah. So um, I think the audience was quite satisfied, but it was like three, four hours into the, into the day, and that was the, the whole performance. Right. So Galaxy, for instance, has these sections. that I, I wrote these sections that set up each soloist which 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 are which are a little bit different than one another and mm. and now uh, now they've developed into we've added things to it like for instance uh, uh, Marcus's drum solo at the, uh, out at the beginning of Galaxy is a nice performance point oh yeah you get a chance to hear Marcus play freely yeah. for a little while then then we go in and and now the vamp before the first melody sometimes turns into something mhm Rather than just a vamp. But then when we play the ensemble together, like that first ensemble, uh-huh. do 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 that even even the written notes uh feel like an improvisation to me now, the way we're we're trying we're trying to phrase them together and, and that kind of thing. I enjoy that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's reached that point I think where now
2: we're well off the page with it. That uh all of those moments where the the kind of um well, the discipline of really being together it's it feels kind of effortless, doesn't it yeah and, uh, and you can mm-hmm. hear that people are throwing in different stuff you know just, just the odd kick and uh, tiny little moments of dialogue which are happening in between mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic because it's it feels as if each piece has um, taken on a life of its own mm-hmm. which uh, which just continues to evolve yeah, that's yeah. The, I think that's the sign of a great
1: composition as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean it's everybody in there doing bringing to it what we hear to to give it that group sound. So then we play that first ensemble and then it launches into a keyboard solo. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty open. I keep trying different stuff. I tried some different different um timbres and sounds out of the Motif.
2: I noticed uh, that the yeah. other uh-huh. night. Yeah,
1: I've been up here in the room programming. Oh, okay. Uh on the keyboards. Yeah, some kind of fat brassy sound. Yeah, a there. brassy sound. Yeah. Up up until now, the the, the instrument pretty powerful in terms of sound inside it. And the only thing I the only sound I've used out of the out of the actual eighty eight key XF motif was the um, was the Rhodes the, road the Rhodes the sample. Yeah, I sampled my uh, my old Rhodes and put it on there, and it sound it sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, it's an iconic sound. I think I'm so glad that that's part of this band as well because it's so you know it's obviously suits the. The, the material so well it does the timbre fits yeah and then the rest the rest of the sounds that i've been using come from that little the skinny module uh, mm. with, that's called a, a rack mount it's a motif as well but right. it's it's just a, it's just got sounds in it and i trigger it from the uh from the keyboard but okay but but i was up here programming and i found and i thought i'm gonna use and yeah. that's one of my plans for the next record actually to yeah. begin to use more uh more electronic sounds. Oh, fantastic! M- more timbers. Yeah,
2: know. yeah. Well, it's, it's a it's an orchestra, really, isn't it? By yeah. the time you got this many people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, fantastic.
1: so then there's a the keyboard solo, and then uh, uh, then that comes to an end. There's this little line that we play mm. that that launches it into a bass solo. I kind of like that. That the bass solo comes second. Yeah. Which is unusual uh, for for uh, the rest of the repertoire, you
2: know. Another nice thing is I think when the bass solo starts it's evident that it's over a, a changing chord sequence uh, because up to that point we've had uh, quite a lot of vamp uh, which of course is open and, and you take it all over the place in terms of uh, you know, harmonic anchors, etc. But as soon as the bass solo starts you hear that there's a chord sequence as well which kind of propels it, makes it very obviously a new section. Yeah.
1: But then after the bass solo, uh, it, it launches right into the saxophone solo, which used to be a chord sequence. Mm. It started out being... Well, on the recording, it's a chord sequence. Yeah. But but uh, I don't know. I got kind of tired of it after a while. <laughs> and I wanted to hear you have a freer space. out Yeah. No, I've yeah. been enjoying that immensely. That yeah. was great
2: fun at the, the, the Tokyo Festival.
1: So we're yeah. back to a vamp. But... But what, what I'm noticing uh, and liking about vamps is, number one, it, it doesn't tie... I, I like not being tied down to a harmony. So what happens mm. is when we get into a harmonic form, um, and and you sort of following the number of bars and the, 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 the chord sequence is changing and the, the rhythm section is kind of following it along, to get loose from it, you start to play other things other than the chord that is prescribed. Yeah. Until... You're like, forget the chord sequence Do you know what I mean? Yeah But yeah. you're still stuck to this form so, so when you get rid of that form And you get rid of a chord sequence You just start with a, a vamp That starts with a tonal center mm. it, frees up, it frees us up harmonically And everyone can use their ears And, and create different stuff And now, the, very, uh, the way I see it The variations in, in, in those vamps come rhythmically what we do with the rhythm that's just what i was thinking myself
2: yeah. when you said that because especially um you know having a luisito there as well uh, there's so much rhythmic information and people throwing stuff in uh that it's kind of a joyful dialogue and it's kind of um very a, a very equal triangle between harmony rhythm and melody is never that one kind of completely takes over from the other and um yeah, what I've noticed more and more, I think, is that the, the, the heart, really, the soul of the band so much lies in rhythmic interaction. In the rhythm section, yeah. All well, the time.
1: I, I like it. I mean, that, uh, the, the, way, the way Luisito and Marcus have been working together create a, re- a really unique kind of thing. But once we get a, once we get a hook... Like that, that new bass line that we yeah. put in bes- behind your solo, <laughs> that and, and the second one, which, yeah. which <laughs> was <laughs> kind of kind of a. Actually, uh, Kalito said that there's a name for that kind of rhythm, like a, right. an Afro rhythm. But, yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, I yeah, I can't remember it either. Yeah, it gives it a vibe. Yeah, for mm-hmm.
2: sure. Yeah, and and it's uh, well, it is a great platform as well for you know, is the, the a linear. Soloist, because you feel as if there's some there's just enough structure for for you to use, but yet there's this um, kind of limitless possibilities I think, and that's as as you were saying as well. It's so important to have interesting compositions, but um, then it also has to be matched by this this feeling of freedom and just having a springboard so everyone can easily get off the page and just uh, you know one night can be completely different from the next night Mm and. yeah. That's, that's why I, I'm
1: constantly excited, you know, by, by the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun, that's for sure. You know, I wanted to mention to the listeners that when we do the webinar, if it's possible, it'd be a good idea for, for you all to take a look, uh, Are you mus- the musicians out there anyway, to take a look at the uh, songbook. Because I have the scores and the lead sheets oh, wow. to the songs, so that when we're discussing something like Galaxy or one, one of the other songs, yeah. you, can, you can see what sections we're talking about and you can relate that to the, because the original recording, uh, the recording that's out, you know, was the first time through and it kept pretty much to, we yeah. played the form of, mm. the, of each piece. Uh, now we're kind of des- destroying the forms uh, to a degree. Uh, and, and mixing things around. But uh, it would be nice to be familiar with with the score as we chat and we can discuss certain sections. And then when the webinar finally happens, uh, you know, you guys can ask ask questions or... or what or, a great idea. Yeah. I think it's also pretty crucial to kind of, you know, send out that
2: the message that these pieces are evolving. So it is interesting to look at the score and then see how it's changed, you know, to hear maybe... a uh, so a recording or a broadcast of us playing something more recently live and say, wow, how different is that? Yeah, yeah. You know, because the, the the purpose of, I think, jazz writing, a lot of the time that the success of it comes in what what you're not writing, the spaces that you're leaving in order for something to evolve. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, you know? all
1: about the players. That's, yeah. for, that's for absolute sure. Yeah, everyone could prepare by having a look and that's a good idea. We should probably put up uh, put up at least one Live performance, a more recent one, so everyone can see how the how it's been changing, especially since yeah. Carlitos come in, has come in the band. For sure, yeah, that's changed everything. Well, if you change one
2: element, you change the band altogether, don't you? It's uh,
1: yeah. Well, we're know. we're on we're on chapter. I don't know what chapter do you think? I we're don't know. On? <laughs> At least three. <laughs> At least three. I said to Marcus, "We're going to launch Chapter Two next year." He said, "Really? I thought we were on Chapter Four or five. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It feels like that.
2: It feels like yeah. it's been a journey, uh, and it's just so great uh, for me to have been, you know, kind of right in there on the ground floor and to to see how the music has developed and to see how you've been writing specifically for us. Uh, you know, which is really exciting. Yeah
1: well, I, I, I've, I've grown to know you and your amazing work since, since we uh, hooked up and what was the year? Do you remember? When uh, I think it was 1999? 99. Yeah yeah, and we started working together in 2000, I think. That's right. Billy Childs was uh, our hookup. Yeah, he sent me. um, He sent me your first record, uh, "Enter the Fire." Enter the Fire. Yeah. And now you're you're making a new. What's it? Return to the Fire.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm kind of halfway through that. So uh, with with the the latest idea is that half of it is done um, with the original guys. in London, yeah, and some of that's been recorded already. But then um, the, the latest idea is to maybe uh, do the other half in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of you, you'll hear two sessions, you know, the, the the London one and the New York one. So it kind of gives a little bit of a almost like a, an autobiographic autobiographical sense, you know, of uh, the, the time that's
1: passed and. It gives me the excuse to get a lot of my friends <laughs> on the same CD. Yeah, fantastic band. Great great group of musicians. So so when, when I heard that Enter the Fire, I thought, gee, it would be great to work together. And, and I was in the midst of uh, putting Origin together mm. with uh, Abishai, Cohen, and Jeff Ballard, and, uh, and Steve. Well, Steve, two Steve. Steve, Steve Davis, yeah. and, and uh, Steve, Steve Wilson, Wilson. yeah. So yeah. so we worked together for uh, over a year, right? Um, it was. Yeah, well over a year.
2: And um we p- we went all over the place. We did. I remember the first tour um but it was about 3 days after my son was born. So uh and the music uh you know it had to send it very quickly in the post. And um so the first rehearsal we had was in, um, I think it was about an hour before we actually went on stage and uh, we were in a, a, a large kind of room in the hotel uh, where we just had to get our instruments out and there was no piano in there so you tap the rhythms out uh, with a spoon all right. Oh, no. <laughs> this I'm <laughs> your rhythm section. <laughs> you just had the back of a chair and a spoon, uh-huh. and then we went out, bam, and played in front of a thousand people. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was my rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the way it rolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll always remember that. That was, that was fantastic.
1: Fantastic beginning. And then our more our more recent experience together was uh, uh, on the recording of the Continents. Yeah. Which was uh, which was a thrill for me. It was the, the week that we spent in that uh, mm. in that studio on 34th Street in New York. That With that fantastic hand-picked group. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, wonderful again, not to feel the restriction of having to do something like a, you know, a, a commercial session in the space of three hours or something, but to let the music so crucially kind of organically grow, and so everyone there in the orchestra had the opportunity to hear things several times and see how they're. Part
1: truly fitted
2: yeah, yeah. in the whole, which I'd respect that so much, and we really got a great result.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, during the tour that we did, uh, was it '06? The tour that we did with the continents with Marcus, oh, yeah. was that and Hans? That long ago already? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we had done that years years before, and yeah, in '06. And uh, I was just thinking that that was the beginning of uh, putting this group together, because because uh, that was me and you uh-huh. and Marcus, on, yeah. on the drums, and we did do some quartet dates. We did during yeah. that orchestral tour with Hans. Uh, with Hans Grobischnik, so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love
2: this uh, the the sense that we can move between you know using orchestral forces and then going back into small group stuff, because we were even during the orchestral things. Uh, we were all kind of placed within the orchestra, weren't we? Hans was part of the rhythm section, and yeah. then we had Marcus there um, playing kind of almost like timpani parts at one point. Yeah, I was playing bass clarinet next to the bassoon players, and it was fantastic. We just kind of came out and, and uh, took our place as the soloists. Yeah,
1: you played bassoon in the Mozart piano concerto. <laughs> yeah, I played bassoon I mean, bassoon no, you, pe- you played a bassoon part. Yeah. You played the, uh, the bass clarinet. And that was a blast
2: for me because yeah. the, the, the members of the orchestra were so great. I think now that there's... This is the time for a real kind of maturation of these styles. There's so so much respect across the genres now. Whereas before maybe there was suspicion and, you know, kind of perhaps people not really understanding the worth of each other's styles of music. To me, at least, it seems as if, you know, time is really on our side and these, especially the younger orchestras, the kind of iPod generation, you know, there's... uh, sense of respect for the groove and respect for the history of this kind of music is sort of implicit. And so maybe one of the most exciting areas of music these days is when we start to kind of, we used to call it third stream, but that's kind yeah. of sounding old fashioned these days. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's a real viable, beautiful, fertile Middle ground.
1: I love to live in the third stream, whatever that is. Yeah,
2: whatever that is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just music. Yeah. yeah, well, it's that it's that third stream. The first two streams you usually get used to a little bit. It's that third stream you're looking for always to find out what's happening over there. Like 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 now in 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 visual, we've got. Uh, we've got marcus uh, coming up from a real jazz heritage being the grand- roy hange's grandson oh, and so forth i've yeah. known marcus since he was 12 years old mm. and we've got luisito coming up from a venezuelan latin american salsa south american music kind of atmosphere so though when, when marcus and luisito came together there's this third stream happening yeah. cuz then my 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 writing is a little jazzy or whatever you want to call it, and then, then Marcus interprets it a certain way. Without Luisito, Marcus would have would have interpreted the music, yeah, differently for sure. But yeah. Luisito comes in with a lot of taste, and you remember when he first came in the band, he played very gently. Mm. <clears throat> he didn't pour pour his ideas all over the band. Yeah, he just kind of he kind of saw where Marcus was and what Marcus was doing, and then started to to enhance it and so forth. And now. The two of them have, have really hooked up. Yeah, and to me, that's a third stream because they they play some some rhythmic stuff that's ba- that, that's I never heard that stuff before the way the way they play those
2: rhythms for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they had the opportunity to to let that once again organically grow over a lot of gigs. Yeah.
1: So now Kalitos is in there on the bass and uh, now we've got a, a fourth stream going because because he's bringing in the, he, his... Uh, well, he's Cuban bass. He's yeah. a Cuban fellow. And so he's bringing in uh, that. And then you and I and Charles uh, sort of bring in more or less the... I don't know. What do you want to call it? The, the classical third stream. I guess of, so because there's a lot
2: of harmony in there. A lot of harmony, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, the, the mixture is, is great. It mm. makes me really inspired to write some more.
2: You know, one thing I find myself saying um, to people when they ask about the band and ask about working with you um, is it's very interesting, the sight lines on the stage, how it's absolutely imperative that you've always got a really great sight line to every member of the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, you know, if I'm ever coaching a band of my own, maybe I'd want you know, college students, etc. I'd super take that on board because mm-hmm. uh, it helps you get off the page. Of course, if you're, if, if musicians ever look at each other, it that I think that speaks volumes about you know the way the music is going. And um, as soon as you look up and you start looking around, um, it helps the musical dialogue which is going on. And I think that's what's making this band work so well together. That uh, no one's kind of doing anything in a little cocoon of their own. The whole thing is yeah. kind of to, to grow one... <laughs> well, I'm using my hands a lot, which is not yeah. very good for radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tim's hands are looking real great. They're yeah. Going up and down and up and down. Like that. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah, it's a, there's a kind of greater unity going on. And I think, well, it's, it's because of the inspiration of the band leader. I can only say that.
1: Well, I, I've, always, I've always liked that. You know you know, you, you know when there's a, when there's a connection... Uh, I know when there 's a connection with my 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 musical partner uh, and and the the eye contact is just is just a it 's a verification or of that i mean when you're really really hooked up and connected you don 't think about it it doesn 't matter who 's looking at who because yeah. you 're there with one another but mm. But, you know, life, life doesn't go along a straight, smooth line all the time. It's like uh, moment to moment, and this happens, and that distraction, and the attention is here, and the attention is there. So that uh, that eye contact always brings you back to square one, which is, there we are. Yeah, There he is, here I am, boom. And and uh, you're in contact uh, with one another. Like, for instance, when Kalitos, I'm going to speak to him about this, when he first came in the band, his first few bass solos, he played... Staring uh, with his eyes closed, staring inside the bass, and it was fine. He was playing his head off, but um, you know, I felt that that uh, we could have made a closer connection, or maybe yeah. and and also he was, you know, he had the the new music in his mind and he was he was on top of all of that uh, complexity that he was trying to handle, yeah. But I mentioned it to him, and last night, uh, last night, uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh. We, we shared eye contact during uh, during uh, his Tempest Fugit bass solo and it was a whole other world and he, he he really liked it a lot too. so it's just an awareness of that I, I started becoming uh, talking about that aspect of it way back in the first return to forever band with Ayerto and Flora and Stanley. Mm. We started actually talking about how how to main, maintain a really close, Connection while we're on the stage, and that that was one of the mechanical points. Is you, hey, look at one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so basic, isn't yeah, it?
2: Yeah, right. I think when, maybe when you're approaching the music uh, from uh, notation, when you, the, the your first point of contact has been notation, as it often is, and it has to be, you know, when the, the music is sent out, it just takes a little while to, you know, completely get off the page, and then even if you're not reading anymore. There are certain moments in the music, kind of knotty little phrases, etc., where you really have to concentrate, and uh, it's such a joy when you kind of just know. You can say to yourself, "I got that." Oh yeah! I know this. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! And then you can look up, and uh, there's one reason why I love. The clip-on microphone, mm. uh, which I don't have on all of the instruments, but at least I have one just on the tenor because it gets a bit fussy. You've got to get it on the soprano now. Yeah, it would so be fun. So you can move around, yeah. Yeah, then the, the, it's you really need two on the soprano to get oh. it. Otherwise, it kind of sounds a little bit like a big kazoo uh, <laughs> when I play. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, to move around, eye contact. I love looking over at Marcus and just playing to him and just hearing, uh, you know, the velocity of the kit right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's one thing I guess with the the difference between recording and playing live is when you've got cans on um, when you've got you, you're wearing the headphones, um, you're not so spatially aware of what's going on because it's all kind of a very uh, kind of a contrivance, isn't it? It's is a necessary contrivance because you you want the separation of all the instruments to make it sound great on the CD, but um, when you're really next to each other and you're actually feeling each other's presence there. Um, it's for me anyway it's a little easier um, and uh, yeah I I think that's one reason why um, some of the moments where I've heard myself play and enjoyed it the most have probably been in a live situation mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. you're, you're there and yeah you know, you know that the spontaneity is just the, the, the most obvious thing about it
1: well you know when when people when people at, uh, uh who aren't totally knowledgeable about the jazz music area they uh, or or some jazz fan will ask me how did, how would you get someone who's unfamiliar with jazz interested in what you're doing one of mm. the first things i always tell them is have them have the person notice that the musicians are having a conversation with one another, yeah. Rather than try to think about how to find a melody or sing something or mm. find the form of the song, or, and they hear all these notes going along. You say, well, especially if it's live, they can see it that yep. the musicians are actually conversing with one another. And and if you if you think of it as a conversation, and you have conversations all day long, think of talking to someone uh, out out on the street or. Or, or wherever in your house, or wh- wherever, and you're having a conversation, yeah. and you don't look at the person. Yeah, you you, you don't look at them. That's unusual. Yeah. When you talk to someone, you usually look at them. Yeah, it's it's the way the face was built. He, <laughs> he built he built it this way. Yeah. To face when you face someone, you know, it's even a verb is used that way. Mm. So it's just a. a quite a quite a natural thing yeah. and the other thing about that is that that's improvisation
2: when we 're in conversation uh, like how many times when you're com- when you're talking to someone, do you know the last word in the sentence that you're about to say you don't know what that word's going to be you just you're so familiar with the language it just comes out and the last word happens yeah. period and uh, in a way well that's kind of what we do musically isn't it we're mm-hmm. so used to the language that um uh, so uh, again that the idea of conversation is, re- is that's a really good parallel to use yeah yeah I think yeah. the only thing then maybe sometimes is that um, people go away they listen to some jazz and there's such the word jazz is so incredibly broad and there are a lot of bands out there that are doing kind of quite well and sometimes I hear them and I think you know, I, I can kind of hear. I wish there was a little more dialogue going on. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So uh, I think maybe that's one of the challenges as well because the word jazz covers such a huge amount of ground. that yeah. um, People are constantly struggling to come up with some definition. You know, but the best definition is the music itself, of course, isn't it? You just got to get people out there and experience it live.
1: Yeah, well, we, we, when we talk to each other about music, we hardly ever use the term like let's go out and play some jazz tonight we get a good laugh out of that yeah come on guys let's go out and play some jazz hey don't play so much like latin tonight let's play some jazz and you know <laughs> put a little bit of that classical thing in there
2: yeah yeah, a little bit more
1: classical uh, a lot of jazz a little touch of classical and, and, a, and a lot of latin let's play like that tonight it doesn't make any sense you know. <laughs> it sounds ludicrous to say yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, what do you think, then? Yeah. Uh,
2: I had one thought. Yeah? Which was you talked a little bit about how the, the music evolves and how it's evolved over the course of the tour. But in, to tie it specifically to the record, I was looking at the, the songbook and there's a tune, I think it's Legacy, you mentioned in your notes that there are two versions in the songbook because one is that your composition as written and the other is how it ended up on the record. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like a there's a there's a story in between those two points.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, that I would
2: actually love to hear especially oh, because yeah. people who have the record and have the songbook
1: can hear both versions. It's so a just, you know. it's a great story. Legacy yeah. Legacy on the record if you remember was a a throw-off. Yeah. It was a one <laughs> it was a one-time throw-off. Like after we we had recorded most of the pieces, and we hadn't we hadn't got to legacy yet, yeah and legacy the the written score uh, has several themes in it, it has two or three uh, sections and, and themes in it and uh I had sent everyone the demo, so we had the basic idea of that first theme which which was that rhythmic thing that went dung dong dung dung du over and you know like a permutating rhythm mm. and uh I, you know, uh, I know that the that the quote unquote tape was rolling. Bernie Bernie had the recorder on, and we were we were all ready to go. And I just I just said to Marcus, just start, start something, Marcus. So Marcus started. That thing that he does, whatever you, the Marcus thing, <laughs> and, and, and based on that little form, you know, and and then and Hadrian Hadrian has such, such a, a good sense of that kind of uh, uh, that kind of form. He he got in there right in, and our and it was just like an open blow. Is what we did. Yeah. You know, we we had, we used that one line. There was one written line. Uh, there was no plan to it at all. We were, in fact, we, we weren't even looking at each other because you were in another room. I was in another room Co- where, with the closed door. Yeah, so I wasn't
2: <laughs> quite sure what was, <laughs> what was going on actually. So really, when what's I, your I kinda, remembrance of it? Well, uh, I remember uh, kind of miraculously we came in with that melody more or less at the same time. And so I think after that happened, like when Charles and I came in with the, with that melody at the same time, I was like, oh, okay, hey, this sounds like fun. Let's keep going with this. And I wasn't aware that we were recording it either. Oh, yeah. We just kept going. And, um, you know, I, I was enjoying uh, just kind of interjecting, playing little phrases, but I was thinking, well, here's, you know, this probably we're not recording this, so uh, now's a good time just to kind of loosen up and take a couple of risks uh-huh. <laughs> so then after a few more minutes uh, uh, you know, I can start to hear some spaces to jump in there and I remember just thinking that there's so much uh, groove going on, there was one point when I was thinking what if I just kind of play just completely out of time in a different key at one point And I think maybe that's something which, something like that ended up on the record still. And uh, it's, if you like, it's that kind of imperfection and risk-taking, which uh, it's, um, I guess it's typifying. You know, one of the things which I I get addicted to, which is, you know, you you practice, you want to get all of these corners right, but then
1: there's an absolute joy in the kind of abandoning of those things. Well, we were abandoning it at that point. Well, Um, we sure were. It was like uh, eight minutes of abandon. Yeah, I I was a surprise at the end. Or longer, I forget how long the (laughs) the track was. And then we were trying to figure out how how to come to an ending. Toward the end of the track, you remember Marcus took that rhythm and made it sound like another rhythm. Yeah And yeah. I just well, He's good at that I just Yeah but I just didn't know That he was holding on To the first form With it He was holding on To the da-da The first form Yeah, yeah. So I just went into The second rhythm So then when he switched back To the first rhythm again uh, <laughs> It was nice Actually And uh, we, we sort of Kept that up When we played it In performance A, a few times Yeah But anyway When we heard it back we listened to it at one point. It became one of my favorite tracks on the record. Wow.
2: I think it's a good example of just the band jamming and getting to know each other, yeah. actually. So it's, you can't get more fresh than that.
1: It was a real free improv, really really great, all of the band listening and being just... Uh, was that fourth stream or fifth stream? So <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit of classical, some Latin. <laughs> but mainly jazz. A little bit of hip-hop. <laughs> It was a backbeat or two? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was legacy. All right. Well, um, what do you think, Dan? I think we got a we got a good one for the first uh, fantastic podcast. How do you say that in English? Podcast. Podcast. Yes. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to W C H I K. What a pleasure! Yeah. Okay, Tim. Thanks a lot. Great. Man. All right. My pleasure. All right.
0: Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed the first episode of Music Magic with Chick Corea, Chick's conversation with his longtime musical associate, Tim Garland. And again, you're listening to Galaxy 32 Star 4 from Chick's new CD on Stretch Concord Records, The Vigil, available on iTunes and Amazon. This is Russ Davis from Voice of America and Mojo Radio, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of Music Magic with Chick Corea. Before I tell you about that, Let me invite you to leave a five-star review on iTunes where you accessed this podcast and you'll let the rest of the world know how much you enjoyed Music Magic with Chick Corea. Now, if you're a musician and you'd like to have an up-close-and-personal relationship with Chick Korea in a very special webinar, you should get on the mailing list to be part of the upcoming Chick Korea Workshop. The way to do that is to go to this website, chickcoreaworkshops.com. You'll not only have a chance to get on the waiting list for this must-attend online Chick Korea Music Workshop, but you can also view a great free video of a Chick Korea Music Workshop that features music with John Patitucci and Antonio Sanchez, and get some thoughts from other students about what they think about Chick's Workshops and on the next episode of music magic with chick korea join us as chick sits down in tokyo with the terrific young drummer who joined him in the studio and on stage with the touring band marcus gilmore following in the footsteps of his legendary grandfather roy haynes that's next time on music magic with chick korea join us then won't you